Welcome to Press Coverage. I'm Theo Greminger. And at Press Coverage, we're always trying to identify the edges. We're trying to bring on sharp guests. And this is the week that we really have to have to do it because we have six teams on bye week. We The injuries are mounting up. And I'm so excited that I'm joined by not one great guest, but two great guests. <laughs> Friends of mine, Jim Coventry and Alan Sislowski. Ladies and gentlemen, these are Roto-Wire royalty in the house here on press coverage i brought in the big hitters how are you guys doing today jim what's going on this weekend was weird wasn't it you know it's funny every year we're like this year is weird the injuries are through the roof and realistically we're just living in the moment because every year it's nuts it never changes but you know what it's good we love this it gives us always something to talk about and we're going to cover a lot today but yeah it was another weird week and next week's going to be a weird week and we just ride the roller coaster but by definition, if every week is weird, isn't no week weird? I mean, that I think that's why we all love fantasy football so much is because there really is an unpredictable element week to week. You know, we yes, there are some things that are sticky week to week, year to year, but the whole thing gets shaken up every week. You know, just when you thought, oh, my God, I'm locked and loaded, you get two injuries or a player comes out of nowhere. That doesn't happen in any other fantasy sport. Yeah, it's it's completely wild. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, Alan, we're, we're we're buddies, and we we also co-host the Sonic Truth podcast, and and lovers and lovers, <laughs> lovers of fantasy. I wanna, yes. I wanna, oh, would you wanna, wait? wait what would you think I meant? I, I listen, man. You're We're gonna keep this. I don't. I, we're gonna keep this. Uh, we're Adjust your contrast, Theo. You're turning red. No, I just was lifting, guys. I had got a lift in before the show. The grind continues. But uh, Alan, we're not going to get this. We're going to keep p- press coverage is going to stay PG thirteen. The Sonic Truth podcast occasionally goes to rated R levels. We're keeping it PG thirteen, mostly PG content here at press coverage. If you have a you know a, a fantasy football enthusiast as a middle schooler, it's safe to listen to almost every one. But this one, we have to put like the disclaimer at the beginning in case it gets off the rails. But guys, this isn't this the kind of week that really like gets you stoked because fantasy it's better when it's challenging. And this is the week where we're going to have to like dive into a lot of uncertainty. We're going to have to dive into, you know, potential flex options that we wouldn't even consider. It's almost like a DFS type week where mm-hmm. you're trying to find like that diamond in the rough. Do you kind of love weeks like that or do they do they get you just kind of tilting and, and uncomfortable? Yeah, it's beautiful because of depth. Depth is where it's challenged. If you put together a roster that was able to withstand the bye weeks, this is where your record grows, where other people are struggling. It separates the top from the bottom. So these are the weeks where we become champions. Yeah, and I was going to say, that's really well said, that this is the week where you can make people quit, right? If they're two and three or, you know, two and four, you could step on the neck of like four people in your league and basically get them out of the waiver wire business right now. So we always talk about, right, Theo, like how many podcasts did you do this summer where you said the most important thing in fantasy football is grinding? This is where people want to stop playing if their record is not great. I have people already in like in keeper type of leagues that are asking me to uh, to sell my my assets right now for cheap. No, I don't care that I'm like one in six. My points, I have the seventh most points. I'm still going. There's so much season left. Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a great, great point, Alan. And guys, this this weekend, again, was a little bit wild. There was some, like, I don't know about you guys, but when I looked across my fantasy scores, I had a couple, some teams that scored a ton of points, and then I had some teams that scored, like, you know, really, really struggled. It was a weird week. It was like a big mix and a lot of, like, big fantasy letdowns to go along with injuries. What was, what, if you learned anything this week, what was kind of your biggest takeaway from the weekend? Take this one, Alan. Yeah, I just um, Jim's going to like fall over in his chair when I say this, but because him and I have had spirited debates about fading injury optimism, I think I'm going to not reverse course on that, but take the injury discount on superstars is going to be my new my new edict for next year. Cooper Cup. This is the Cooper Cup we've all seen and loved. So that's a big takeaway. Okay, I saw it once. I saw it twice. There's no difference now than this guy that won your leagues a couple of years ago. So if you're gonna, if there's going to be an injury discount, I'm going to take it rather than my previous edict, which is fade injury at all costs. That's a good one. How about you, Jim? So it takes us a number of weeks to realize some real league trends because think about it. 
the first couple of weeks, maybe you had an easy opponent, tough opponent. Well, what I've realized now, it's crystallized. So going into the season, we know that NFL defenses have been getting lighter and lighter for years to defend the pass. Well, offenses came in this year wanting to run the ball more than usual. Defenses have made a phenomenal, and actually it was at the end of last season they started to do that. Wait, Jim, can I interrupt? Why did offenses want to run more than normal? Because the defenses were getting lighter bodies. They were putting less people in the box on running downs. And so this, again, this is the end of last season. And so then what happened was it was successful for defense. So offenses come in. Now, we want to run the ball because you have light personnel and you're not going to be able to handle it. So when that trend began last year of running the ball, the defenses countered this year. They have figured many creative ways to shoot the gaps in the running game. If you're looking at box scores across the board, there are a number of great running backs who can't sniff four yards per carry each week. It's rarely happening. Uh, Bijan had the big game a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago. But even looking at his stat line, he's killing it for fantasy because he's catching the ball. But you look at these running backs, Tony Pollard, uh, Austin Eckler last night, they are not getting yardage. So the league trend, and this is big for DFS especially. But so now, what have the Falcons done? We knew they wanted to run, 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 right? Well, guess what? Desmond Ritter has 37 and 44 pass attempts in the last two weeks. Arthur Smith's no dummy. He's taken what the lead's given him. When he used to give you the run, he took the run. Now they're throwing the ball. Drake London is going to be a thing the rest of the season because they're adjusting to the league macro. I love the Drake London take. He's on the show sheet. And uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been very exciting. It's back-to-back weeks with Desmond Ritter passing for over 300 yards. He's certainly not a guy that we're betting on as like some big-time talent. But if they're going to have that sort of passing volume and Drake London's going to see this sort of a target share, yeah, I'm I'm really, really stoked for Drake London. And Alan, we got to talk about Drake London on Sonic Truth Pod this Friday from kind of a dynasty perspective. Uh, but certainly in redraft, I think he's an every week starter, whereas the sky was falling after week one in that ridiculous one target game, uh, which people were just freaking out. And then Arthur Smith pours gasoline on the fire with his comment about Drake London not caring about fantasy. We're like... Whoa, 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 chill out. Chill out, Arthur Smith. Just like, you know, we don't want to hear that right now. We got one target this week. So, uh, guys, this th- you guys have had some really cool takeaways, but I think one guy that kind of stands out to me, really two on the opposite spectrum, one is Adam Thielen. What's going on with Adam Thielen is just wild. He's wide receiver three right now. He's having his best season since 2018. And I think it's when we go back and we look at next summer, there's going to be another veteran wide receiver who just gets completely demolished and pushed to the, to the double-digit rounds that we really should consider. And last year, the wins were were pretty strong when looking at like the beat-up veteran wide receivers that fell. There was the, the Tyler Lockett, the Amari Coopers. Both of those guys fell to like a draftable range. But we certainly didn't see this sort of a drop. And, and again, Adam Thielen wasn't even a guy I considered. Like when we look at these open target wide receiver cores, we were so quick to try to want to like Jonathan Mingo, want to consider DJ Shark, or want to avoid the situation at all. Whereas a guy like Thielen had the most fantasy success. He chose this situation to sign with. And I think it's like a, it's a massive outlier, but it's still something I think we should uh, consider this coming off season. Any thoughts on Thielen? Start with uh, Alan. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny that after week one, I, I stu- the dumbest fantasy mistake I made was dropping Adam Thielen after week one. And just take that week out, which, again, just cherry-picking stats here. He's actually wide receiver one from the last month and, and change here. So uh, I dropped him because it was Hayden Hurst, right? That was the, the, <laughs> the, the target that Bryce Young was looking at. But I think what happened, I, I think the takeaway here is look at the veteran wide receivers that were once good that – are playing with inexperienced quarterbacks and where there's no other, let's say, like dominant A.J. Brown style of alpha. And I know that's a lot of like layers, but that's what we're, we're, where we're at in fantasy football. I think that fantasy football players, not just analysts, are sharp enough to say, oh, okay, this guy who's good could be that reliable target. I mean, no one thought wide receiver one and I, you know, me, I'm rooting against Adam Thielen at this point because I dropped him, you know, yeah. <laughs> on a and team where I have Justin Jefferson, by the way. Go ahead, Theo. Well, Jim, would you say it's kind of like a these younger quarterbacks 
kind of gravitate towards veteran deference in the in their targets. I mean, obviously they're scheming a lot for Adam Thielen. You don't get this sort of a target share if you're not like the first read, but it seems like Bryce Young has just said, you know what, that's it. I'm going to this guy with the most success. And that's kind of what Carolina is doing. Do you think that's a veteran deference thing or it's just he's playing so well? No, it's a combination of things. So when the two main rookies came into the league, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, I kind of saw him this way. I saw Stroud as more of the classic quarterback who could get the ball to the perimeter and then work the middle as well. I saw Bryce Young as a limited quarterback, and I thought he – and I believe me, I did not project anything with Adam Thielen. I'll get to that in a second. Bryce Young was always that guy who was going to live in the middle of the field. Hence, Alan Soslowski looking for Hayden Hurst as a player to target. It, Alan understood the dynamic there. But here is the thing. Adam Thielen could not run last year. He could yeah. not separate. He had Kirk Cousins in an offense where Justin Jefferson was getting a boatload of coverage, and yet Kirk Cousins could not get Adam Thielen the ball. That is why we were out him. He was old, he wasn't producing, and he wasn't separating. But for whatever reason, Bryce Young is willing to throw the ball in that window in the middle of the field where Adam Thielen operates. They developed the chemistry. Jim, are you saying my process was good? Your process was good. Oh, wait. It resulted in no fantasy points. Uh, uh, you know, one down. It was the, the wrong guy. Listen, it it's, wrong process, guy. <laughs> it's process process over results. Alan, no, yeah, right. Really we good. have this conversation all the time. Yeah. Give me the results. You could take the oh, process, yeah. guys. Me, I'm, I, results all day long over process. You know, this especially especially right here. <laughs> we we use the coverage. Bla- you remember we used the blackjack example, right? Like if I hit on 18 and I draw a three, terrible <laughs> process. Give me the money. I won that hand. Yes. Guys, before we take a quick break, let everybody know, like, where can they find your work? Because I I know I said Rotowire, but like, what's dropping? What's the schedule for for Alan Soslowski and Jim Coventry during the week? Yeah, to avoid um, uh, boring the audience with, with all of our plugs, I'll speak for both of us. Uh, the, Jim and I do a radio show on SiriusXM every Sunday at 9 a.m. So if you have satellite radio and, and uh, we get you ready for game day, it's a fun show. I poke fun at Jim while he does all of his good analysis there. But uh, most importantly, if um, you know, I, I love the collabor- collaborative efforts that Player Profiler and Rotowire have had over the last couple of years. So Jim Coventry does a very unique show on the Rotowire YouTube, similar to all the deep analysis you guys are doing uh, uh, on the player profiler page. So five days a week, the only days where he's not on are Tuesday and Wednesday, 11 a.m. Just come on over to the Rotowire YouTube page. Jim runs down everything every week, goes over the news, all that kind of stuff. That's our flagship show on YouTube, 11 a.m. It's Rotowire Fantasy Sports today, Rotowire Live today with Jim Coventry. Yeah, and definitely check these guys out on Sirius Satellite Radio as well because you guys are doing great. You have the best guests on. I mean, those guys you. Have are incredible. They're incredible. Yeah. So Jim wanted to plug one more thing. Go ahead. The Jim. start sit stream every Sunday that show that Alan talked about on Roadwire YouTube, 11 a.m. Eastern. We give you the why. We don't just tell you, oh, start player A, start player B. We give you the breakdown of why a player may be successful so you can make your best lineup decision. So again, join that as well. And what's good is that that is at 11 and then the player profiler one is at 12. So you can get you know, you can get like more confused from more people telling you. Yes. You can sit back and just tilt for like 90 minutes, guys. It's uh, it's going to be wild. And a big, big shout out. We'll talk about it when we get back, but we got to talk about some of the just terrible beat reporters out there in the fantasy streets. There's there's no help to us right now, guys. We're, we're, we're on our own, but we got you covered uh, after a short break. This episode brought to you by Mojo. Mojo is that player stock market. We love Mojo because we like making lifetime bets on players. You run out the clock on these guys. Mojo just rolled out a brand new fantasy platform. That's right. So now you can build a portfolio of player props. Oh, Jamar Chase over 77.5. Oh, Kadarius Tony under 15.5. Whatever the under is on Kadarius Tony, doesn't matter. You can just stack up the props in your portfolio. And the beauty is, Once the Sunday games kick off, it's not over. It's not over until it's over with Mojo because once those games kick off, you can then move in and out of positions. Let's say that you're well ahead of expectations. You can cash out. Let's say you're behind expectations. You're underwater. Well, you can double down. That's what makes Mojo so special, why they're different. Check it out. Go to the App Store. Get the Mojo app and use the promo code UNDERWORLD. The promo code UNDERWORLD. Gets you a 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. So the promo code is Underworld, and they will match your deposit dollar for dollar 
Go to Mojo, start building your portfolio, and then during the games, you can be a fantasy day trader. Welcome back to Press Coverage. I'm Theo Greminger, and I'm joined by Jim Coventry and Alan Soslowski, both of RotoWire. And guys, this is a this is a funny week because when you listen to this as a podcast, we are recording on Tuesday. Usually press coverage is, is recording after waivers take place, but we have a chance to talk about some of these really weird backfield situations. Right now you have Kyron Williams, who had his best game as a pro this past week, looked like a league winner, was for 150-plus yards, almost all of them in the second half, Jim. It was a weird split for his rushing production, but now fantasy managers are with that going to be without, without Kyron Williams and probably without Ronnie Rivers for at least a month. So we're looking at real opportunity here on the waiver wire. Zach Evans is sitting there, seventh rounder out of Ole Miss. There's a Zach Evans hive, Alan. We talked about this in the dynasty offseason, you know, but it hasn't really happened. I know Zach Evans is the guy that in my waiver wire column, which just dropped on playerprofiler.com this morning, like I wrote about Zach Evans for a while. Like this was during the summer. Hey, he could win the cuff job again for, for Cam Akers. That was a terrible prediction. Kyron Williams had it. We, we kind of backed, backed off as the summer moved along, started drafting Kyron. But then it seemed like when Cam Akers was moved, Zach Evans had his opportunity, and it turned out to be Ronnie Rivers. So Zach Evans has been picked up and dropped multiple times by fantasy managers. Now, guys, do we have a trust level in Zach Evans this week, or do we think it's going to be some disgusting Royce Freeman situation? Jim, why don't you take this one? So Sean McVay made a quick reference that Royce Freeman's a practice squad guy and Zach Evans is kind of the next man up. So there's that. Fantasy managers are looking at least one week. Now, they ruled out Kyron Williams pretty quickly, but it sounds like a short-term injury. People will look at the the schedule and say, oh, man, the Steelers are there. Bad matchup. Not this year. Yeah. The Steelers are a below-average run defense, so that's going to scare people off. Remember, we say this all the time, volume is king in fantasy football. Sean McVay is not going to go pass, 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 pass. He is going to balance the offense to keep Matthew Stafford protected. The threat of the run is going to be there. Kyron Williams is produced. The, the run blocking has been better than the pass blocking. And again, with the receivers they have, no team is going to sell out the stop the run. So I think volume is going to be great. And I think you could plug him in Zach Evans as a running back too immediately. What did you say in the beginning of this podcast, Theo beggars can't be choosers and running backs that get double digit touches are, are like rare currency in week seven. And I would be like thrilled to start Zach Evans right yeah. here. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that this he was considered a B. John Robinson elite level high school recruit and prospect. His stock, you know, tumbled at TCU, but when he was at Ole Miss, man, 10 touchdowns, he has a nose for the end zone, guys. Yeah, TCU and Ole Miss for Zach Evans, you know, there ends up leaving TCU to go to Ole Miss, happens to play with very, very good players. Um you know, obviously Kendra Miller and then other NFL backs will miss. So it's it it never really happened, but the there is like the hive. Um, so I think that he's gonna end up actually going for a lot of fab. Um, there's oh, yeah. another another couple of guys that we got to talk about. And and Craig, by the way, Theo, and he's available. I don't care what your league format is, only in like the deepest, sickest leagues. Sure, he was someone picked them up two weeks ago, but in anyone watching this, 95% of leagues, he's gonna be available. So that's what I love about Zach Evans, too. He's worth the 40% push-in. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go 40%, but I do agree with you, Alan. He's going to go for some serious fab. Let's talk about Craig Reynolds. This is another snip-snap, snip-snap, you know, have him, cut him, have him, cut him. No one's excited about Craig Reynolds, but in 2021, there was a similar situation where he had the backfield somewhat to himself. And again, Jameer Gibbs could play, but he's missed two straight games with a hamstring injury. He's definitely not going to be a... Uh, you know, a high volume guy, I believe if he comes back. So what's our trust level in Craig Reynolds? Lions have a top five scoring offense right now. Take it away, Jim. I don't like him going at the Ravens. I understand Detroit is a phenomenal run blocking offensive line. Reynolds is going to get some volume here. So obviously if Gibbs doesn't play, he's going to get significant volume. I don't know how many goal line chances there are in this game. Uh, look, the Lions have been great. 
they're probably in this game going to have to lean on their passing game and default secondarily to the running game. So I just don't think Reynolds is going to get more than two, maybe two and a half yards of carry. And if that's 10, 12 carries, it might not turn into a lot. Could get a screen here there. I'm not optimistic he scores a touchdown here. Obviously, if you're desperate, there's six teams off this week. Uh, there are injuries. So if you need a body in there, he always could fall in the end zone. Not overly optimistic. It's a volume uh, bet, right, Alan? Like, yeah, I, Jim, like we can say whatever we want, but would you would you project him to have 15 touches this week? 12. 12. Okay, so we're, we're about the same. And I think at the end of the day, Alan, we can't really ignore that. And shout out to the chat. Some people talking Permar in the chat saying how bad Reynolds has looked. Yeah, he's looked bad. But yeah. a lot of guys can produce a solid line. Like if, if Jim and I are wrong on the, the touch projection – and it ends up being like 18, 19 touches in a game that Detroit's winning, then you're talking about a guy who just might become an RB2, as bad as it is. Alan, your, your thoughts? Yeah, I would just you started off this conversation by making this a waiver wire fab discussion. So I think the psychology of the league is important to talk about here too. We've already seen Craig Reynolds be bad, so he's going to go for less fab. We haven't seen Zach uh, Evans be bad. So yep. look at Maniac Me, 40%. Let's go, <laughs> right? So I think that it, you can put in an aggressive bid and still go a little bit more than you think the market. Like let's say Craig Reynolds is going to go on the high end for 15%, right? Go 19% if you need a running back. If you're two and four, you, you need a win. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't start like Gus Edwards again, hoping that, you know, he, he's going to, he's going to score two touchdowns. Um, maybe you need them both. So again, from a fab perspective, Reynolds is going to go cheaper, but I can't tell you that he's going to be better or worse than Zach Evans. Shout out to division two football. We talked about Adam Thielen. Now we're talking about Craig Reynolds, D two guys. Uh, we're talking about him this week. It's, it's uh it's a fun time guys. Let's talk about how bad NFL beat reporters are. Certain teams are different. And, you know, I'm sure that you, you're going to say, you know, slow down, bro. This one beat reporter I follow has been great. But how about the Arizona Cardinals beat reporters? All week <laughs> long, Imari DiMercato, Keontae Ingram was a complete discussion of where our fab should go. And then all of a sudden, Damian Williams ends up getting this substantial work. This is the reason I bring up. Half the reason I bring up a Royce Freeman, it would be a very similar situation. But Jim, is it oh, like man. try to make some sense of this? How can you not know anything going on with your team if you're a beat reporter? You know, it depends on the coaching staff, right? Not we know a lot of coaching staffs are not forthcoming. They will not tell you anything. They don't care about the beat writer. And ultimately, the beat writer is a newspaper reporter, most likely. Now, some are really good. Like some yeah. who work for The Athletic, they're very good. 100%. But but some of the local ones, yeah, they're just a guy who had a newspaper job. Oh, we're going to put you in a Bears beat. Okay, great. Thanks. But uh, but all that said, it really is what the coaches give you. And with practices, they might not show anything in the media portion of a practice. So beat reporters are basically limited by what observations are able to make. Alan, defend the, the job of the NFL beat reporter who can't tell me that Damian Williams is going to uh, get carries. Yeah, well, let's think about modern-day journalism overall, not just sports, but you're you're motivated by the incentives, and the incentives are to get team access. And if getting team if you're spilling company secrets, your key might not work the next time you go to the building. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it's not surprising that these jobs where people are shoving each other out of the way to get that they're not going to have true journalistic integrity. And if it's if it's a question of that it's not integrity then it's just like incompetence, right? Because a good beat reporter would have said, okay, I want up. Uh, and, and why aren't you pandering to fantasy players and gamblers? That's who's buying your newspapers. That's who's clicking on your articles. I, I guarantee you anyone outside of who, people that love the Arizona Cardinals, the only people clicking on those articles are people that want to know the fantasy output. So we're the audience. Screw the team. Screw the coaches. Incentivized by the audience. And I think that's why you see some, and not this is not to get completely off track. I know we got to get back on schedule here, but I think that's why you see such a rise in like the 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 Twitter coverage for these teams, and also like these these sites that are unaffiliated with the team but report on the team, because a lot of these, like you know, you guys alluded to, these guys have to work with this management. 
have to work with these coaches, have to work with these players all year long. So, you know, nobody's like tipping them, hey, man, you know, chill out with Amari uh, Mercado because we're working in Damian Williams. Um, let's get away from Arizona because I don't think we're going to help anybody with that. Start Hollywood Brown, everyone. That's about it. Would but, you start Mercado again in a pinch? No. Guys? No. You know what was weird about that game? He led all their running backs in snaps. He had yeah. 43% of the snaps. Well, that's because they were getting dominated. I feel like it was – and you can say Arizona's going to get dominated a lot, but it was the second half where he they were down and they are trying to play catch-up with Mercado running routes. Would you agree on that? Isn't that the perfect time to be in a game for a running back, though? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> right? Well, let me ask you this. Jim, I'm going to get – we're going to do a little demonstration of how uh, the start-sit works with Jim Coventry. Jim, I want to start Mercado or Zeke Elliott. Who should I start? Oh, Zeke Elliott. See, see how the detailed analysis there? It's no question. You got to start Zeke Elliott over Di Mercado at this point. You can't trust Di Mercado no. against Keontae uh, and and you know and and Damian Williams. So it's a mess. But one backfield that we're going to have opportunity for a lot of points from is the San Francisco 49ers. Christian McCaffrey. We don't know the extent of his injury. It sounds like it's nothing serious. But once the injury door has been opened up, you know, especially with an older running back, it's something you can't ignore. It's Elijah Mitchell in week three against the Giants had a nice line. They got him substantial work in the second half, and it looked like Elijah Mitchell was going to be like that handcuff kind of plus. He gets a knee injury. That opens the door for Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason has now scored a touchdown in back-to-back weeks. There was a quote from Kyle Shanahan, and he mentions Elijah Mitchell as a guy who's always produced when he's healthy, and he alludes to the fact that last week's snap share – that Mason dominated over Mitchell was due to Elijah just getting back from an injury. I lean Elijah Mitchell here. I had him way up there in my waiver wire column, even though he's rostered in more leagues than Mason, but I would lean Mitchell here. Am I wrong, Jim? Which way would you go? Jordan Mason or Elijah Mitchell? Yeah, I get, I get it that Mason got the extra touches, but as you correctly said, Mitchell is coming back from injury. His history probably shows his best to ease him in. I have to assume they get an extra day this week, too. I have to assume Mitchell is the guy. They both have played well when given the chance, but Mitchell has been outstanding when he stepped into this role. Alan? If, if they're both playing, like, I, neither one of these guys is going to dominate with 20 touches, right? Especially if if uh, Kyle Shanahan, you said, is seeing Elijah Mitchell rightfully as, as a fragile player. So... I would put in bids on both, and the terrible part of this is that they play on Monday. Like, McCaffrey's playing. Oh, crap. They both are useless at this point. But if you're relying on one of those guys, I think you could play them both in fantasy football this week, especially we keep outlining that it's a very uh, very heavy bye week. Yeah, no, for sure. It's it's definitely one where I feel like this is a offense that we want to have pieces of. So for me, if if one of these guys is available, I'm going to go out and and spend fab on them. I'm also going to yeah. price enforce. I think these are important guys to price enforce because you can don't you explain let... Theo? Explain what that means because I know we have a sophisticated audience, but there are new viewers. Seriously, because price press enforcing. Cover... Listen, guys, press coverage audience. This is some of the most sophisticated listeners in all of fantasy. I agree. Perhaps in all of podcasts, I think there's no highbrow podcast that has a more educated listeners than press coverage. But I'll say price enforcement is. I will say it's somewhat like auction drafting, Alan, where I don't want to let Alan get a guy for less than he's worth. And I want to come up with a number where if I end up spending this much money on this player, I'm not going to be grossed out by it, but it's basically not letting my teammate have a bargain. You're kind of weaponizing your fab to prevent people from getting a player for less than he's worth. And in some leagues, it might be a 5% bid. In some leagues, this might be a 20% bid. The only issue with price enforcement is you still spend the money. So if you think a guy is a not really worth your, your roster, I, I want to avoid price enforcing those guys. But price enforcing situations like Miami, San Francisco, Detroit, if you end up with a guy from that offense, it's not the worst thing for you. Would would you yeah. was is so, that well, the, the Wikipedia? No, definition? I think that's good. Like, here's an example that like if you're in a super flex or two quarterback league, there's gonna be bids on Tyson Badgen, the back quarterback in uh on the Chicago Bears. Don't let the guy who has Justin Fields, who doesn't have another quarterback, get him for five bucks or ten bucks. Like put in fifteen percent bid so that guy's gotta spend twenty percent of his budget on what could be like a single digit fantasy point quarterback quick question jim 
we didn't discuss Tyrion Davis Price. Good. <laughs> good. Okay, good. We'll move on. Um, guys, guys, so let you know, w- w- this is not only waiver wire backs. We saw a very ugly game, and we talk about this was a weird week because a lot of times, you know, especially quarterback drafters, they end up you get this bailout games. You take Jalen Hurts, you take Josh Allen. The rest of your team can struggle a little bit, but like you get those those bailouts. You didn't get a bailout with either one of them this week. Mahomes had a middling type performance. Uh, but the Josh Allen game, Buffalo struggles with the New York Giants. Buffalo ends up winning the game. But the big takeaway for me was the usage for Latavius Murray. It's getting really, really annoying. James Cook ends up with like an okay line rushing, mm-hmm. does not get catches, does not get targets. So like it's an empty calorie type performance for James Cook who gets 75 or so yards on the ground. But Latavius Murray is now kind of an annoying thing. Maybe talk about Latavius Murray, his usage, and and your concerns about James Cook, if you have any, Jim. So, look, James Cook is an explosive running back. We love him in this offense. The Buffalo offense will never see a loaded box. There are plenty of yards before contact. But Latavius Murray is kind of like that Jamal Williams character who do every little thing the coaches like. They pass block. They understand nuances in the running game. They get protections. They get all this stuff. And so they become very reliable components of the offense, and they get you some tough grinder yards. It doesn't give their offense the upside it needs or it wants, and that's the problem. But Latavius Murray serves a function. But I have to think that when the coaching staff looks back on this game against the Giants, and the Giants played out of their mind. They played like this was their Super Bowl, so whatever there. But they're going to have to say, our offense didn't score many points. We are a better offense with James Cook on the on the field. My guess is that rational minds have to emerge here. Murray's going to have a role for sure. It, Cook has to get 60% of the workload, assuming Damian Harris will be out a couple weeks. Yeah, by the way, the I saw you put up a comment on the thing about, you know, I put my hood up. It's a little cold in my house. I spoke a little too soon about not needing heat, so that's why I went uh, Rocky style. No, I, I want to tag on to something Jim said there. Here is the only issue um, with, with any of the Buffalo running backs, okay? we Everyone knows in fantasy football, we'll take a committee of two. A committee of three backs it's good. You're going to have limited ceiling for fantasy football. And, you know, Damian Harris before the injury was enough just to lower the ceiling just a tiny bit of the other guys. And then you add in Josh Allen, who's a running quarterback. So you had like four players. All right. So Damian Harris, thank God he's going to be okay, but he's out of the picture. Uh oh. Leonard Fournette might be coming to town. So I think if you drafted James Cook uh, in the part of the draft season where you're taking him in the fifth round, expecting like, oh my God, he could be one of the answers. That's not what it's going to be. He's going to continue to be a startable running back. The gym said, like, he he can have these explosive runs and and do it from week to week. But I think, like, you know, I don't even like to use the term RB1 or RB2. He's just a player that if you get 10 or 11 points out of him, like, in our deeper lineups, that's great with our two flexes or, you know, multiple running backs. Um, Getting that, like, Raheem Mostert week out of him. You like how I say you use Raheem Mostert, league winner, right? Uh that's probably not going to happen. And if you're in like a 10-team league with your buddies, he's just a nice depth piece at this point, guys. Let's take a quick question from the chat. Nick Tick Jake wants to know about Marvin Mims. Incredibly frustrating game for Marvin Mims managers against the... We had like a a wave of emotions. You get Jerry Judy's going to get traded. Then you have Jerry Judy literally going off on Steve Smith. It was like one of the coolest and weirdest things you're ever going to see in a pregame. And we're all thinking Jerry Judy gets moved, Marvin Mims gets gets the work. It's going to be beautiful. But uh, Sean Payton didn't get the memo, and Marvin Mims' usage is going way, way down. We believe in the, his talent. Alan and I have talked about him from a dynasty perspective on Sonic Truth many times. Jim, how nervous should we be for redraft? The fact he saw 23% snap share in that game, his lowest of the season. He had like a 25 out of 24 in week one and two. That's very problematic. However, we have to be hopeful that Denver is a big seller before the trade deadline. If that happens and when that happens, they all of a sudden become a team that is playing for the future. At that point, they will have no choice but to increase Mims' usage in the offense. So he is a hold for that reason. But if they're not actively moving players, then it's not going to change because his role in the offense right now is not a role. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the ups. Oh, sorry, Theo. Go ahead. No, man. was he? Would you think that there was punishment from the fumbles, where like Peyton's like you know, because against the Jets, Mims had the costly fumble. Do you think this was like a, hey, you're getting less playing time and less work this week because of the fumble? It's been all in the same range. It's all been between 23 and 35%. So there was yeah. no real punishment. He had one game with five targets. Otherwise, he gets zero to two a game. That's been it. So I can't say it has because if you have three pennies and you take away one, you have two. A big punishment, right? What does the great Cornholio over there say? Yeah. Very good. You know, I'm just going to give you guys everything. I can't disagree with anything you said. You, you're just you're spitting out facts, guys, and the facts point to this is this is not going the way that we all thought it would. But here's the optimistic case, or a, a light at the end of the tunnel, is that it's reasonable to believe a quarterback change is coming in Denver, right? Jared Stidham was one of the first free agents signed. He was paid top of the end uh, of market, and win, lose, or draw, whether it's it's uh, Russell Wilson's fault, if they're not winning. We all had heard in the preseason that Jared Stidham was going to get a chance. And look, we saw his upside with the Raiders at the end of last season. Sometimes when you put in a new quarterback, they they lock on to a different receiver. Like look in Washington last year with Carson Wentz and uh, who the hell else was there last year? Oh, and, um, and Heineke. Yeah. I mean, Jahan Dotson was getting his fantasy points. This year he's getting zeros, right? Because yeah. Sam Howell is there uh, targeting other players, including Curtis Samuel. But this could be the case. So light at the end of the tunnel for Marvin Mims is a quarterback change. And let's say that Stidham has been practicing with Marvin Mims with the second team, right? Maybe he locks onto him. So if that quarterback change is coming, I'm if someone drops Mims, and they probably will this week because it's a tough bye week and he scored no, no fantasy points last week, that there's a chance that you could pick him up and that could be looking like a, quote, league winner at the end of uh, in a couple weeks. Can I add one thing? Of course. All right. The Jared Stidham thing. I get it, but here's what we need to know. I talk all the time about the subliminal factor that teams, when they're playing a depressed opponent, they're missing key players, they play down to their competition. Stidham had that huge game against San Francisco, 365 yards, three touchdowns. San Francisco didn't show up for that game. Subliminally, they're switched off. Next week against Kansas City, throws for 219, a touchdown and a pick. That wasn't fair. It was fine. But that was more of who Jared Sidham is than the 365. And I just want to point that out. And maybe I'm wrong, but I do believe San Francisco just did not show up because there, there is no world where a and no quarterback was carving San Francisco up for that. So the only explanation in my mind was that. Yeah, and just the the point of the conversation, and Jim, it, what he says is very reasonable, but it wasn't really about Jared Stidham. Was it is more about a quarterback change could be a positive momentum switch from Marvin Mims? Yeah, Excellent. It, for sure. Guys, let's do quick little kind of rapid fire for a couple of these. Damian Pierce, concern level. Let's start with you, Alan. Devin Singletary ends up playing more, ends up getting almost as many carries, runs more routes. And this is the first time this season single that his Singletary has done this. He has season highs. This is concerning. You're also heading into a bye week. How concerned are you about Damian Pierce? Yeah, I'd be pretty concerned uh, if you were expecting like a second round type of running back. Uh We've is seen, he, I mean, he is he he's not an RB. Would you say like we got to bump him down to RB three land? Yeah, yeah, that that's fair. But I would say that Devin Singletary, Jim talked about Latavius Murray as being one of these running backs that coaches love Jamal Williams. I think Singletary fits into that category as well, where he does just enough to pull down and anchor the fantasy value of the starter. We have proof of concept of this, Theo. He's yep. done it before in Buffalo. Look what Zach Moss is doing now. Look what Zach Moss was doing when Devin Singletary was his backfield mate. Uh, why can't it happen to uh, Pierce, too? If you can trade away Pierce right now, and he's actually, you, you get cheap fantasy advice all the time, right? Oh, sell high, buy low, buy low, sell high, whatever it is. Pierce is actually somebody that you can sell for a wide receiver that is producing now. Would you trade Pierce for Adam Thielen? I would. Yeah, 100% I would. I mean, that's a no-brainer. I would even consider doing that in Dynasty, Alan, because I think like we get so caught up wow. on <laughs> Damian Pierce's... I mean, listen, if I'm going for the money, I'm going for the money. And and if I can't hold off Devin Singletary, then I might not be that sort of a back that's ever going to return me real value. And we have to remember, last year Houston's offense was so bad, and that was the previous coaching staff that, that, it, that had Damian Pierce. They, they drafted Damian Pierce. This new coaching staff has no loyalty to Damian Pierce. Devin Singletary is the one who was brought in this summer. 
And like you said, Devin Singletary's finished as a top, I think, you know, somewhere around like RB24 to RB30 for back-to-back seasons. And he held back James Cook. He held back Zach Moss. And now he's holding back Damian Pierce. Jim Coventry, your thoughts on this situation? So Damian Pierce has a 42nd percentile broken tackle rate, but it's 30 percentile for Singletary. Yards after contact, they're, they've both been miserable. Pierce has been worse. They're both well below like 2.5 yards after contact on average for Singletary. They both have been bad. I can't blame the line anymore because they've had their tackles back for two weeks. The interior line, Shaq Mason's been fine. They're hoping to get Juice Scruggs, but right now they're in a bye week. And I would, you either are going to look two ways at Pierce. Either they're going to fix some things during the bye and they're going to find a way to integrate him into an offense that's more effective than what they're doing, or they're going to make a move. But either way, you've got to plant your flag. I'm saying right now, Pierce is just not getting it done. I don't see any upside right now. He's not playing at that level. I don't think the light switch goes on. So I think this is going to be a, a timeshare the rest of the way, more equal than not. And I think neither is going to have much upside. Jim, would you trade in Pierce for James Cook? We just talked about that he has some problems of his own. Getting James Cook, absolutely, yes. A million percent, I think you make that trade. It's the quality of the offense. I think that Houston's got a solid offense with Stroud. But if I'm getting touches in the Buffalo offense, if it's a split backfield, and I'm going to take the one in the better offense, no doubt. Let's talk about another running back where there wasn't really a pronounced effect with like Devin Singletary or Latavius Murray, but Rashad White, you just don't have the production there. Very disappointing by the entire offense. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn again plays a little bit more. It's post by. I'm a little concerned about Rashad White, you know, and we'll talk about him again, I'm sure, a little bit on Friday, Alan, because mm-hmm. he's dropping down our dynasty rankings um, just based on the fact that, you know, he's he's not it right now. Your thoughts on Tampa Bay, Rashad White. Uh, is this an offense concern or is it a little bit of a Rashad White concern, Alan? Yeah, we have, we have to uh, backtrack on a take that we had uh, about Rashad White being like a top 15 dynasty running back. Uh, yeah, uh, I, that's, and I will say I think he's a top 24 dynasty running back around Theo, that I, RB2, RB3 line, I'd say. Theo, Jim Coventry is almost a top 24 dynasty running back. That's, that's not that's saying fair. a lot, you know? That's fair. Um, there's <laughs> wave, the waiver wire spindle. Anyway, no, I think that the, the pro Rashad White, crowd self-included was banking on like eight targets a game from Baker Mayfield, right? Like seven targets a game, five catches, something like that. Even if that wasn't even a realistic outcome, that's what you were thinking because the uh, efficiency last year didn't give, leave you thinking that this was going to be uh, that he was going to be a dynamic running back. Uh, look, Rashad White's had two good weeks, two double digit fantasy points, a 20 point week, a 10 point week, and then three real stinkers. I'm still like, again, you talk about, you know, we joke around buy low. He's really a buy low. He's a player where if you do believe that he can rebound and, you know, I mean, how many players have the upside? He definitely has upsides, a young, you know, a young running back. Um, You can probably get him for, you know, I mean, I'd have to go through the list, but he's someone that you could probably sell off some of your wide receiver depth to get. If somebody needs something, right? Like a Terry McLaurin. Um, I'm not going to say DJ Moore. So uh, I still think that there's reason for optimism, but he certainly hasn't met my expectation for fantasy value. No doubt about that. How about the Cleveland Browns running can backs? I, can yeah. I real oh, quick go ahead, go ahead, on him? Go ahead, Jim. Look, Rashad White cannot break tackles. He cannot get yardage after the contact. That was the case last year. This year, broken tackle rate. Well below average, 19th percentile yards after contact. He's the same running back he was last year. He is not going to be in the NFL for long. He's going to be on a practice squad somewhere relatively soon. Look, we had our boy Sean Tucker. He was in there for a while. He got dropped a little Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn's terrible. Chase Edmonds had a four- to six-week MCL injury. He's going to be back soon. He only had four carries. They went for 20 yards. Remember this. Chase Edmonds last year, after he got traded to Denver, came back from the ACL. He was the same running back in those last few games of Denver than he was in Arizona. He was a horrible fit in Miami. He is Dave Canales brought him in. Chase Edmonds, before long, is going to lead that backfield. Woof. That's a tough one to hear. Jim, Very tough uh, to hear, Jim. Jim has an irrational love, which, by the way, I have irrational love for like players like Paris Campbell, so I can't like really knock him, but... And he, he could be right. I would never want to say anyone could be wrong here. But Jim is like, he's been hanging on to this uh, Chase Edmonds thing. One day he's going to be right. One day. 
He was a very good player in Arizona. The only bad stretch of his career was when he could not understand the Miami system. He has never been a bad running back. He's always well over four yards per carry. He's always a plus receiver, except for those six games in Miami. He had no clue how to run that system. I don't know. I don't understand why people don't. I mean, you've seen him play his whole career other than those six games. Why is he a terrible running back now? He showed in Denver last year. He was the same guy. I, I don't understand. Let's uh let's pivot this over, guys. Uh, th- as you know, nobody wants to hear about Chase Edmonds early on a Tuesday morning, <laughs> though, Jim. I-, I think it's fascinating, right? No, it's it's day. He's coming I back love, soon. I love yeah. the take. I love yeah, the take. No, I think it's fascinating. I'm and I'm interested. Like it's making me like at least put this check the star on like my app to like keep him on my watch list. Like and that, Eddie, t- you know. And if you know, if your league has in- injured reserve spots, these guys are also invaluable. It's like it's like stashing an extra extra player when you have these IR spot guys. So guys, Jim Coventry's given you Chase Edmonds, grab him for zero in some leagues and, or a dollar in the others and just stash him in your IR. And if, uh, if Jim is correct, you know, maybe shoot him a nice DM and thank him, you know, possibly Venmo him a little bit of your fantasy winnings. Right. Guys. And if he's, and if he's not, you know, really attack him on social media. Thank you. Thank let's you. Let's go. Let's go a uh, rapid fire rest of season, Jerome Ford or Kareem Hunt. Roster one, I'm going Jerome Ford still, but there's a uh, 16 to 11. Uh, Kareem Hunt had, you know, more fantasy points than him this past week. Again, it was post bye week. I'm still on Jerome Ford. Where are you at, Allen? Which one would you take? Yeah, rapid fire Jerome Ford. He had the yardage. I mean, he's got the youth and the legs. I mean, Kareem Hunt has the experience, but I think if forced to pick, I'll take Ford. Very cool play design on the touchdown, right, Jim? Absolutely. PPR leagues, though, I'm going to take Hunt because he's going to get more passing. Now he's just half PPR standard. Definitely going to go with Jerome Ford. Love it. If, if we redrafted today, which one of those guys would get drafted first? Probably Ford just because of how the market thinks, right? Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, you know, both of them looked pretty good. So it's it's interesting, the leaning on the running backs, especially, you know, until Deshaun Watson can get back, that offense is definitely going to look a little different. Uh, guys, Curtis Samuel. Your trust factor for Curtis Samuel, three straight weeks of 14 or more PPR points, scored three touchdowns in a row. Your thoughts, uh, Jim Coventry? Yeah, middle of the field. Sam Howell's always under pressure. His quickest outlet is the middle, so that's going to keep going on. It's going to be a floor, solid floor play each week. Most weeks he'll cash there. Yeah, I, I agree there. It's that this is the same thing we were talking about with Stidham that we referenced this. This quarterback prefers Curtis Samuel. He has this. I wish someone would just cover up the stats. Like, oh, at the beginning of the season, you'd be like, that's Jahan, Dots, Jahan Dotson's stats, right? You said it's on the Washington Commanders. Now, they gave it to Curtis Samuel. It's uh, it, uh, Dotson's the odd man out right now. Well, how's the quarterback? If Jahan Dotson was putting up Curtis Samuel stats the last three weeks, dynasty managers would just be like <laughs> standing on their head talking about how Jahan Dotson's the greatest. He'd be getting moved up in 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 everybody's dynasty rankings if he just had Curtis Samuel stats. So yeah, I think it's uh you gotta gotta keep riding Samuel until he proves otherwise. You plus you have the threat of him getting rushing opportunities. A lot to like about Curtis Samuel. Hey, uh, Theo, rap. You said rapid fire, but like in your redraft leagues, would you trade away Damian Pierce if you needed a receiver like Curtis Samuel, or is a running back just too valuable? Gosh, it will all depend on the roster construction because, again, it's so hard to recover. Neutral. Running back. Neutral. N- neutral, Neut- I'm probably going Samuel right now. And I understand I see the chat talking about the offensive line concerns about Houston. But, again, I think this is going to be an ugly split with Devin Singletary possibly getting the more high-value touches. So you get Damian Pierce as like a between-the-tackles type grinder. Obviously, he's got some explosiveness. But if Devin Singletary is getting more targets and it's pretty even split, then I might go Curtis Samuel. I think Curtis Samuel is a thing right now, and we've seen him have production and then fall off. That could very well happen, but until it happens, you've got a you got a fantasy starter. So I'm I'm in on Samuel. He's still available in like 65% of Yahoo leagues. So definitely check your waiver wire. Now, guys, the topic of the show is rest of season league winners. I'm going to ask you guys about a couple of guys, and then maybe share a few of your favorite players. Which running back would you rather have rest of way, guys? Travis Etienne or Ken Walker? Jim Coventry. Oh, that's a great question. I'm going to go with Walker. You're going to go Uh, Walker? Yeah, I'm going to go with Walker. I I mean, Pete Carroll's giving him a similar workload to what Etienne's getting, but Seattle is getting more out of Walker than than, um, Jacksonville's getting out of Etienne. So I'm going to roll that way. Their offensive line is getting healthier, too. 
give me either of them. I think both of them have like kind of look like league winners based on the the ADP you spent on them and the production you're getting. The threat of Charbonnet is would be my argument against just in case they, you know, try to mix things up a little bit down the stretch and maybe ease his load. But yeah, I, I, I you can't really go wrong. I can't argue against either. Alan, yeah. break it yeah. up here. Who's who would you go with? Do, doesn't Ken Walker not his body type, but his play style, his spirit remind you of another Seattle running back that ruled the league for a half a decade, Marshawn Lynch, right? I, like I mean, that. <laughs> that that is just he just has that. I don't care what happens to me. I'm going to run hard. I'm going to take control of this team. It, this is Ken Walker's team, slowly but surely. His snap share went up to 71 and 76 the last two weeks. He has iced out Sharp. It was getting much closer to even yeah. before then. Yeah, I would take uh, Walker, but I would have no problem if anyone wants ET on there. Guys, your thoughts on Michael Pittman. Is this a guy that you're going, going out in trade leagues and saying this is a guy that can push me over the top? Gardner Minshew behind center. He has four weeks where he's had double-digit targets or more. Had a season high in targets this past weekend. Uh, right now, Michael Pittman is wide receiver 14 overall. He's knocking on the door wide receiver one land. Jim. So I think we're going to see a downgrade. When teams can game plan for Gardner Minshew, and the recent report this morning is we probably don't see Anthony Richardson this year. We saw it last week. It was garbage time, which was fine. But teams can game plan for Minshew, and he's horrible. They're going to take away his first read. It's going to be Pittman, and I think Pittman's a great player, but I think Minshew's going to crush him down the road. What's really cool is that your league is going to be split right down the middle on this. Jim's logic is so sound here, but I like that you have more of a traditional pocket passer versus Anthony Richardson for Pittman. So I'm going to bet on that Pittman is going to be able to win some of those contested catches and all that, but... uh What's great is you're going to have a trade partner in your league because there's going to be someone like Jim that wants to sell him, and there's going to be someone like me that wants to buy him, and we're going to be able to make a nice trade. Isaiah Pacheco. I'll give you a couple Isaiah Pacheco ors because Isaiah Pacheco right now is knocking on the door of RB1 land. This is, again, a guy that you were drafting in a very comfortable place in the draft, and now he's sitting there at running back 13. Who scores more points rest of season, Isaiah Pacheco or Joe Mixon? Oh, that's a Isaiah Pacheco, and I, I, you better get, if, if you're going to give it to me straight up, I, I'm going to win that bet. I would thought you were going to say Joe Mixon plus okay. twenty. Oh, I got a better one. I so saw it's called a. I want to build this up, Alan. Yeah. So we'll go with the the low hanging fruit: Joe Mixon or Isaiah Pacheco, Jim Coventry. It's Pacheco. I'm not sure Mixon's not going to lose some carries after the bye. He's a compiler at this point. We saw last week they had the other three running backs, not much, but they all got some touches. Okay, so that was the easy one. I warmed you up, Isaiah Pacheco, or King. Henry. Right now they're tied for PPR points at 14 and a half. I got the second year player versus the guy in his 25th year. Just joking, King Henry enthusiasts. But who would you, who's going to score more points the rest of the way? Yeah, I'm still or Henry. I'll still take Derek Henry because he, as you saw, at any moment he could just throw people around for 80 yards. Pacheco is got the youth. He's got the team, you know, the context that we like, but I'm just, I can't, I, I'm going to bet Derrick Henry until I lose the bet with uh conviction, you know, Jim Coventry. I'm going to go with Pacheco here. Yeah, I think go. that let's go Jim. Tannehill's probably okay. out a month, maybe longer defenses. They, they respect the Tannehill a little bit. There's going to be no respect for the passing game with what they have now. And, and Henry isn't that guy who could beat nine, eight man boxes, even nine man. Boxes. He can't do that anymore. And he's playing only half the snaps. Alan's right with everything he said, and, and I can't disagree with that. I just think with Tannehill out, that's going to be really doomsday for them. Who scores more points rest of season, Tony Pollard or DeAndre Swift? I'm going to bet on Tony Pollard. I like. Um, I just can't imagine that the like. It's so easy to see Rashad Penny is the is the uh, running back du jour in a month and a half from now after everyone's just basically throwing him away. I just don't have like long long term trust in him. Even though Tony Pollard's been a little bit down, you saw even when Tony Pollard has a bad running game, he gets you home in fantasy with the passing game. So Pollard to me would be a player that I if we drafted again today would go ahead of him. I want to bet on Pollard, even though you know Swift has obviously overdelivered any expectations anybody had from this year. Allen, or excuse me, Jim. Yeah. Man, Pollard doesn't have a touchdown since week one. He has 47, 29, and 30 rushing yards in the last three. He's getting some catches. He's definitely getting that. And his workload's been high, and I never was convinced he's a guy that was going to be able to hold up. I can't go with Pollard here. Can't do it. Yeah. yeah, I'm going. Give me, give me DeAndre Swift. Give me that offense. And uh, 
I love the way Swift looks. This past week, he has a season high in receptions. It's Swift season. Swift's going to get that big, big contract this offseason. People who traded low for him in Dynasty Leagues are looking very sharp. What's uh, big, big contract mean for a running back nowadays? He'll get three, well, 3.5? Selective, selective <laughs> yes. of where he signs, though. Swift, you know, right. Swift could blow up. Mm. Guys, let's, let's take another one. Wait, oh, wait Theo, Theo, I don't mean to interrupt you. Who gets a bigger contract next year, uh, Josh Jacobs or DeAndre Swift? I'm going to go DeAndre Swift okay? because DeAndre Swift has less tread on the tires and NFL teams don't want to pay for a guy who's got, you know, that sort of volume. Jim. Jacobs should have held out the entire year I because he was coming off a career year. What he's producing this year is not even close to four yards per carry. He lost a ton of money by coming back. If he would have held out, he could have gotten a decent contract. Yeah, Swift's going to make more money. I didn't mean to derail your show, Theo. Sorry. No, no, no. I was, no, no. I, was is... I was interested in that. Guys, this the chat is lit. Shout out to everybody watching. Please hit the like button. It helps us. I got a Venmo Allen a ridiculous amount of money to appear on press coverage. So really help me out with this monetization coming in. Guys, let's talk about a couple of wide receivers who have smashed ADP. Right now, Jacoby Myers, Nico Collins. And let's throw Hollywood Brown in the mix. All three of these guys are providing you weekly starts. Uh, very strong PP, well, solid PPR plays. If you could roster one of these three, which one are you going with? Again, Jacoby Myers, Nico Collins, or Hollywood Brown? Start with Jim Coventry. Look, Nico Collins is a true alpha receiver. Bobby Slowick uses those 49ers coaching principles. He gets him into space quickly. They've had some brutal matchups. He got 80 yards against the Saints. That is telling me something here. I think there are a bunch of 100-yard games coming up in the second half. He is a clear alpha dog. Nico yeah, he's Collins. Got, he's clearly got that dog in him. Nico Collins is a beast. Uh, and we love, love, love CJ Stroud at, play, at Player Profiler and also at Rotowire. You guys seem to like him a little bit, Alan. Yeah, I, I think that if we were drafting again today, I'm using that term just to talk about the psychology of the market. Nico Collins would go ahead of Jacoby Myers. But I think that Jacoby Myers provides a, a higher weekly floor. You'll never be pissed that you started him. Whereas Nico Collins, you've already seen that we know the upside's higher, but he's going to have some down weeks when teams are like, all right, we're doubling Nico Collins. No one's ever doubling Jacoby Myers. Guess who they're doubling? The other guy that gets uh, 12 targets a game. So if you like 12 to 16 points a week, put in Myers. If, if you, if you want to try to aim for the stars, which, by the way, is not always the right strategy when you get into those middle rounds. So I like Myers rest of season, but I seed Nico's got the higher upside. Yeah, it's a really, really tough one. I, I think they're both good answers. Jacoby Myers, though, it's for me. It's the target share. And also, it just makes the Patriots look so ridiculous that they didn't make things right with Myers <laughs> My every most... single week. You know, it's 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 absurd. Guys, who are a couple of league winners? You know, let's go rapid fire around here. Jim Coventry, a couple players you're banking on, you know, maybe the people are not necessarily seeing in the top five in scoring, but you think could decide leagues later on in the season. You know, Aaron Jones is likely coming back from injury. They know when he's been gone, they need him desperately. Uh, we mentioned T. Higgins. After the bye, his injury should be fully well. He should be there. Kadarius Tony. he has like, I believe, six targets in each of the last couple games. They have to have him. They're, he seems to be getting healthier. I think they're going to ride him. And um, just one more, Drake London. I, I do think Love Drake that. London is going to go through the, the moon the rest of the way. And Jim, just real quick, you mentioned Kadarius Tony. There's a ton of love for Rashi Rice right now, including from myself. Yep. You would would you would go both. Tony over Rice, or is both. it a, both? Yeah, I should. And I, if I didn't want to take up more time because I know no, you no, probably run. Yeah, I Tony and they need two top receivers in that offense. They both would serve different functions. I do think we're going to see Rice. Rice's targets are a little less than Tony's. They're going to ramp up. He's gaining trust by the week. And I think Tony, we've already seen he can work with Andy Reid, and I think they're kind of working his way back. He played 42% of the snaps, which is a season high last week. That's going to keep going up. We never know if he'll stay healthy. But, yes, I agree. Both of those players are the answer right now. Love your Drake London call. Right now, he's wide receiver 30 overall in PPR. If we podcast it again a month from now, which we probably should, guys, because this has been so lit, Drake London might be like wide receiver 15, and we're like, oh, my God, Jim Covertry, you ran so pure that day on press coverage with your Drake London league winner recommendation. Alan, give us some league winners, guys. You're really betting on 
that you think are going to up either have an uptick in scoring or continue maybe a quick start? Well, I'm just going to use all your criteria. Not in the top part of the rankings. A good player has already been a league winner. Why not Christian Watson? He's been yeah. there before. He's already won your league. And I won't be surprised if another bad week he ends up on the waiver wire. So I, I think when you talk about like Damian Pierce trades, trade Damian Pierce for Christian Watson. He's already won your league in last year. I'm going to throw out two trade targets. It's the same guys. I went on the game plan with Matty Kiwum, and these were my trade targets. And the guy goes out and has his worst game of the season. But Brock Purdy had his worst game of the season against a really, really tough Cleveland Browns defense. Brock Purdy has four quarterback one finishes. There's the quality of the offense, the chance that they have to open things up a little bit more. If I'm in trouble at the quarterback position, I'm going and knocking on the doors of the Brock Purdy manager. I think at the end of the end of the season, Brock Purdy is going to be like a top eight quarterback in scoring. I don't think that's a big, big leap. And I think you might not have to pay those sort of prices. And then the wide receiver who I think just looks incredible and we're already seeing the injury bugs kind of open up around him. We've seen two big week winning performances from Brandon Ayuk, but I think Brandon Ayuk in the second half of the season is going to get it going. Before we wrap it up, guys, is there a player that, and this is not even on the show sheet, there a player that you're concerned about usage wise that maybe if you were in a trade league, you try to get out from under. And I'll start out. I have some concerns about Devonta Smith right now because of the target share for AJ Brown being so much stronger. I know there could be a bounce back game for Devonta Smith any any given week, but he would be a guy that I would maybe consider pivoting for based on last season's incredible production. Is there a guy that jumps out like that for you, Jim or Allen? You know, Tank Dell had a really strong start to the season, and I like what he's done, but I think his most of his work comes in the middle of the field. And there were a couple of defensive breakdowns. And Dalton Schultz has now established himself also as a presence in the middle of the field. I think Tank Dell's a player that's gotten good usage, has a lot of hype. I think the second half isn't going to be as kind. I'm very concerned that we haven't seen really anything from Jameer Gibbs at this point. Um, Bijan Robinson has been playing at his floor. That's where I thought Jameer Gibbs would be playing. Right? You know, again, it doesn't matter. Mid- mid- so. Uh, as much as I, I just paid a first round pick in a in a long term keeper league, and I, I'm you know I'm not like confident in that bet, but I figured Gibbs was never going to be cheaper. So for this year, uh, I have to admit I'm very concerned about the young rookie on the Detroit Lions. If there was a player you would consider pivoting off of Gibbs for Allen, identify someone you think you could trade for. Like in a in a redraft format. Redraft. Let's stick to redraft. Yeah, I mean it's got to be uh, if if some. I mean you're never going to get someone like Keenan Allen, right? That was like my first my because that's like the dynasty mindset. But uh, man, I, I don't think anybody wants Jameer Gibbs right now. He's one of yeah. those players where it's like you know what's the best you could do? Get up to James Cook, right? I mean we use a lot of the same players because they're the players that are missing expectation or people are uncertain about. I mean if somebody wanted to give you Isaiah Pacheco, it's never happening, right? That's the obvious one. But I think that you can get into that another player that has a little uncertainty with upside so in that case you're probably better off holding him so uh yeah wide receiver wise maybe you know we talked about curtis samuel being a little bit more consistent this year that might be another one guys stick around uh the pod father matt kelly's bringing you waiver wired later on today i'm going to drop a waiver wire video check out my waiver wire article that just dropped on playerprofiler.com i think while we we're recording it or maybe a little earlier this morning it dropped but uh, this is a tough week. We got you covered here. Guys, let everybody know where they can find you. Jim Coventry. You can find me at Jim Coventry NFL on the X. You can get links to all the work that I do. Awesome. Definitely check out Jim. Allen, let everybody know where they can find you. And let me just, you know, you always hear people say, follow me, follow me. You know what's cool about following Jim is that he puts out these uh, prop bet threads and he's running a little hot right now. So, and he gives you the rationale. He actually just, uh, I had a smash. I won a, uh, a four unit bet. I went uh, a nice heavy on an over longest pass last week for Patrick Mahomes. Told you. So if you like, follow Jim Coventry for the prop stuff. One of them will pop out. It's like, oh, okay, that's a good one. Most of them are garbage, but no, I'm just kidding, Jim. Yeah, so that's uh, at Alan Zislowski. And you know, I'm always over here with you guys uh, hanging. So, and we'll be doing another Sonic Truth podcast uh, Friday of the listening week here heading into 10, the 10 a.m. Friday. Alan and I will be back on Sonic Truth talking about Dynasty uh, press coverage. Uh, we'll be back again next week uh, to the day to be determined. Look for all my videos I'm dropping here on YouTube at Player Profiler. Look for all my articles uh, and check out First Class Fantasy this Thursday. Wait, don't Moody. sign off yet. Don't sign Go off. Ahead. Of all the content you're doing right now, Theo, 
what's the one you're enjoying the most? Is it the writing the article? Is it the certain videos? I'm curious, which one do you get the most excited about each week? So I feel like the waiver wire stuff is actually a real help to people. And I get a lot of people like, you know, I love the podcasting. Like I could sit here with you guys for four hours and we would go with a little bit longer, but Matt's about to drop, jump on and record. But like, I love recording with you guys. I love recording like with Billy Muzio. Um, but I think the waiver wire, it's a labor of love. Uh, the written check out part? The written? The written part. Hmm. The written part is a labor of love. Uh, I had John Daigle on last week. Um, and check out my pod with him. Uh, you know, that was that was really fun. We did that on First Class Fantasy. But John does the waiver wire article on 4 for 4. I do the waiver wire article here. We're just talking about how it's like such a grind. Some guys get away from doing it. But I don't know. I feel like I get the most like, hey, you really helped me out. So for me, the waiver wire stuff, as much of a, of a grind, it's like a labor of love, but it's like an addiction. I, I just, I yeah. want to grind like that, you know? Yeah. The guy, uh, Perman in our chat actually had a good idea. And if you don't do this, I recommend it thinking about, it. I know it's like more work, but also include like five or 10 players that you wouldn't mind dropping in most leagues. I think that's helpful too. Another, another, uh, another topic, Google this one, guys, the sabotage drop, the mm. sabotage drop is a powerful tool. Use it. Stick with us at press coverage. Stick with us right here at Player Profiler. Check out the deep end in the GOAT district this evening. Stick around for Matt Kelly, the Podfather's Waiver Wired show today. Check out my Waiver Wire video later today. Follow these guys. They're both sharp AF. Uh, and stick with us here all day, man. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.